Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We're speaking this segment with the editor of the Deseret News, Doug Wilkes, the big boss. Uh, at uh, the Deseret News. I'm grateful to him for joining us here in studio. The occasion of our conversation is this. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints this morning released a trio of letters revealing some changes in the operations. Uh, Most notably, the big headline is that general conference this upcoming uh, will be presented without an audience. Folks will not gather here in Salt Lake City to assemble in the conference center and uh, take part in this conference. Uh, and that's a fascinating development. Uh, I hadn't realized this. Uh, Mr. Wilkes let us know in the segment prior that this is something hasn't happened since World War II. Uh, can you tell me some of the history there? What happened in World War II? Well, it's the third time in church history that a viral epidemic has affected General Conference. Um, so in World War II, there were travel restrictions. So they did a conference with just the leaders, and they did it on the assembly hall in Temple Square. But the that, that's, that's the building just where, like, the Seagull Monument is? Right. Well, there's the Tabernacle and then the Assembly Hall, and they were in there, and they, they held a conference. The Spanish flu pandemic postponed the April 1919 General Conference for two months. Um, and there's been other instances uh, where uh, a viral epidemic has stopped. Fascinating. Um, so, But now with technology, the impact will be much less uh, significant, I think. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I saw on KSL television last night, uh, a piece by Matt Gephardt looked back at how Utah responded to the Spanish flu uh, in uh, the early 1900s, and it was uh, essentially the same type of advice that was being given uh, today. And one of the banner pieces of advice was uh, limit the size of your gatherings. Now, you and I, we were talking about some of these changes made by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you mentioned to me uh, that you have a, a personal connection to this. It's not just uh, something you're reporting on, but rather you have a member of your family in the midst of these headlines. Well, my brother-in-law uh, and my sister, so my sister Anne and her husband Brad, uh, preside over the mission in South Korea. And so they've been there for just under two years, and... Um, They've been obviously at one of the in one of the cities where the epicenter of this uh, pandemic is, and so um, the instruction came down to close the Korea Temple, which was done by the church as well as others in Hong Kong, and also to limit the um, the work of missionaries outside their apartments. So for weeks they had missionaries uh, working virtually uh, on their on their laptops or. Um, the the notebooks that they had and able to communicate. And one of the most interesting thing is uh, they reported to me that the work hasn't slowed down. There's been this collective where you have everyone in the country working together and you have in common this disease you're fighting. And so that opens conversations and people begin to be softened really about the risks. And so they become conducive to a message, whatever that message might sure. be. And so they've seen some great success. But they also, since that time, have had to have uh, the missionaries who are not native to the country have had to leave. They remain there, uh, manning their post uh, as missionary. Uh... You're right. So my sister's still there. I communicate with her on uh, on uh, Facebook uh, Live or by FaceTime. Sure. We can communicate. 
They, uh, this past weekend, had 75 missionaries. They've been reassigned. So they come home to self-quarantine for two weeks, and then they're uh, reposted in other missions uh, around the world, anywhere from New Zealand to the States to, uh, to Idaho. Sure. Um, and uh, But there's about two dozen uh, Korean native missionaries who continue in the country. They're still confined to their homes um, but are doing the work. And so um, one by one, they continue to do that. But it's been it's been emotional, to say the least, to sure. see the missionaries come and go. They are leaders. They are responsible for a large group of young people engaged in an earnest effort, and yet they have their own safety and health to consider. And then they have family members like you uh, back home asking, hey, how's, how are things going? You all right? Uh, you need anything? Yeah, there I'm— you know, the church is taking very good care of all the missionaries and being obviously tremendously responsible. They don't want anyone to get sick. But they're also a great strength in the country to the members of the church and to others who are seeking leadership. And the church is this, with this today particularly yeah. is providing real global leadership. Let's change course here for a second. Uh, you and I had an interesting conversation in the commercial break there. I asked you as an editor of the Deseret News, I asked you, uh, Mr. Wilkes, I said, have you had any operational changes uh, at the paper as a result of the coronavirus. There have been various guidances shared by various agencies uh, here in the state and well beyond uh, asking folks if they are not absolutely 100 uh, percent crucial to the operations of their uh, business uh, that maybe they consider telework. What has been the, the impact on the, the Deseret News as you've uh, made adjustments to accommodate for this uh, threat? Well, here with Deseret News and with KSL, certainly um uh, one, common sense is the first thing. The same things that everyone's been asked to do, wash their hands, not touch their face, um, perhaps not touch others with a handshake. Sure. Um, that's been implemented. Um, we've cut back on non-essential travel, but there are reporters, right? You have to go out into the yeah. field and report on this and, and others. Um, we want them to use a good sense. If someone has been to an area that's been um, where someone has come down with a virus, they, then they would self-quarantine for a period of 14 days, a week or 14 days. So we're very aware of it. Um, we're mar- wa- marching it, um, watching it day by day. Um, but everyone here has been very cooperative. And because of technology, we do have the ability to work from home pretty seamlessly. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, Doug Wilkes, editor of the Deseret News, sharing his expertise and his insight. I'm grateful to you for making Thanks, some time Lee. for the it's program to today. You. Yeah, Appreciate likewise. It. Thank you so much. All right. uh, listen, I want to turn my attention now back uh, to this this coronavirus pandemic on the global scale. Now, if you notice, I just used the word pandemic. It's the first time uh, I have called it uh, a pandemic here on these airwaves. Uh, and I have been watching the behavior of the World Health, World Health Organization to see if and when such a declaration was made. Well, uh, it was just this morning that the World Health Organization uh, made this and gave this coronavirus, COVID-19, just such a designation. Uh, Here, uh, Dr. Tedros with uh, the World Health Organization director, uh, he explains now uh, what a pandemic is and what it means. In the past two weeks, the number of cases of COVID-19 outside China has increased 13-fold. And the number of affected countries has tripled. There are now more than 118,000 cases in 114 countries and 4,291 people have lost their lives. Thousands more are fighting for their lives in hospitals. In the days 
and weeks ahead, we expect to see the number of cases, the number of deaths, and the number of affected countries climb even higher. WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock, and we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Pandemic is not a word to use lightly or carelessly. It's a word that if misused, can cause unreasonable fear. You hear that? Director of the World Health Organization uh, just shared with the world that that organization is now considering the coronavirus a pandemic. But there, in closing, offered a word of caution that this word pandemic is not one to be used lightly. It also should not be used as a word to foment fear or, or cause uh, overreaction. Now, the word pandemic, as defined by the WHO, is the worldwide, dis- worldwide spread of a new disease. Beyond that, there are really no cut-and-dry criteria for what reaches the level of pandemic and what does not, and there's no threshold of cases or deaths that trigger the definition. It is merely uh, the sense of the World Health Organization that uh, once a dis- something new, a new disease, uh, reaches a worldwide level and is of a new uh, new strain, uh, new understanding, new type of disease that it, uh, it deserves that designation. That World Health Organization has made this coronavirus uh, just such a, a designation. It is now a pandemic. But as you heard the director there of the World Health Organization, it is not a reason uh, to now be fearful. We're going to go through a number of other impacts this coronavirus is having uh, here in the state of Utah and elsewhere. We're also going to talk about Bernie Sanders, a decision I think he should have made but didn't. That's all coming up on today's episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.